Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters. This is episode 96 of the podcast and really happy to have you with us. It's a, another great week of hockey here at Flow Hockey, and we're really excited to uh, bring you much more throughout this entire season. But this week in particular is a big week in the NHL draft world. Why is that? Because NHL Central Scouting put out their preliminary watch list for the season. Now, this is a great way to kind of get an idea about what this class is all about and, and who's in it, the players that you need to know about. That's all really what this is, uh, what, what, what we learn about here in this week. So, you know, obviously we have our ideas of which players are kind of rising and falling already, although it's a very early part portion of the season. There's a long way to go before the picks start flying in late June. So there's a lot to get to. There's plenty to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about the list today, offer a little bit of critiques, uh, some agreements and disagreements, and then also, you know, just kind of uh, a general rundown of kind of some of the interesting news and notes that came out of this week's central scouting list. It's always fun to look at. It's a great way for, you know, people like me that that do follow the prospects all year round to, you know, take a look at some names that maybe I've missed or that I'm not as familiar with. And then you start kind of looking through that and seeing if there are other players that you need to uh, be aware of. And by no means, if, if, if a player is not on the central scouting preliminary list, um, doesn't mean that they won't get picked. In fact, it happens very often that they do get picked. And then just as we've seen, we've seen plenty of A-rated players at this stage of the season not even get drafted. So it's just a very interesting time of year and an interesting dynamic that we have with the draft. But we're going to talk a little bit about that. And before we do, uh, you know, if you didn't make sure that uh, you you subscribe to this podcast, if you're not already, I think it's uh, a great way to follow us and make sure you keep up with all of the episodes. We had a great preview of the ECHL season last week with Justin Cohn. You can also uh, follow us on YouTube and on flowhockey.tv as well, which is another great way to uh, kind of keep up with the podcast. And if you want to watch the podcast and see some of the things that we're talking about or uh, just see me, um, then you can do that as well on YouTube and flowhockey.tv or via the Flow Sports app. Um, and then also 
make sure that you're subscribed up because we've got some great hockey. We've had some amazing college hockey games, really good junior games. Um, you know, the ECHL and SPHL both started up last weekend, some really incredible games. And if you go to flowhockey.tv right now, you'll find uh, both Justin Cohn's ECHL power rankings and also my rundown of more almost 50 NHL contracted players that are currently playing in the ECHL this season notes on every single one of them. There are a number of guys that are still on very much on the NHL track that are playing in the ECHL this season. So make sure you check that out. All right, let's get back to central scouting and let's talk a little bit about, you know, the way it kind of shook out in terms of who got A's and who didn't, which is usually the, the way it goes. So the way the watch list works is that Central Scouting will put a, together a list, and there are hundreds of players on this list, and they'll get several different designations. There's the A rating, which is a player that they believe is a first-round candidate. The B rating player is a second- or third-round candidate, and they also often have guys that are, are kind of first-round around the first round. The C rating is a fourth- or fifth-round grade, and now that they're also putting a W grade on players, which is basically we're just going to watch this player and that indicates that this is a player with a chance to go into the sixth or seventh round. And then they also have limited viewing, although I don't think there were any limited viewings on this year's uh, list in terms of that. Another thing to remember about this particular list, as I mentioned before, it's a long season. A lot of things are going to change. I think that there is a combination of what how this list is made. Some of it is based on how players are playing right now this season. But a lot of it is based on previous viewings, how, you know, notes they had from last season coming into this season. There's also the Holinka Gretzky Cup, which is, a, you know, if you if you didn't play in that, you might not have as much of a, a higher grade. Um, you know, there are a lot of other different kind of events that players could have been at that gave scouts a little bit more of a book on them. Then there are guys that, you know, they they are definitely familiar with, but, you know, didn't feel strongly enough to put these A grades on them. And I think when the when central scouting lists a player as an A grade at this stage of the season, the focus brings it you know, that brings a lot more focus onto that player. Um, and then it also it makes everybody kind of watch a little bit closer. And so that's one thing. The other thing is how do NHL teams use central scouting lists? I think that this this watch list is probably one of the more important lists they put out, at least for NHL teams, because it allows teams to hone in on certain guys. Now, they're also going to be looking at their own lists, which they've made and which they had all their scouts put all their work in. Um, I don't think you're going to see any team that are making selections off of the central scouting rankings. But what they are going to do is it's going to give them other ideas of where to look and who to look for. And sometimes it's a wild goose chase. And sometimes it's just, you know, the player definitely needed more looks and now they're getting that. So that's a, a huge value there. Um, so that's that's the other part of it. So let's get to the list itself. At the top, not a lot of real surprises. I don't think there was a single guy that got an A grade that I didn't expect would probably get an A grade. Now, Central Scouting only gave 28 A grades in this draft. Obviously, there are going to be 32 first-round picks. There are more than 28 players that are going to go in the first round. But I think the bar to clear for an A-rated player at this stage of the season is pretty high. And so that's a good thing. You don't want too many A-rated players, especially at this stage. But there are the guys that we know, Macklin Celebrini. Cole Eiserman, Ivan Demidov, you know, the guys that we've been talking about an awful lot. And then there's a, a, num a number of other players that have come into this as well that are that are higher end guys that we are very, very familiar with. Sam Dickinson on the blue line, Artem Levshinov from uh, from Michigan State is on there. 
couple of USHL players, Sasha Boyver and uh, Trevor Connolly. This might be one of the first times we've seen where where USHL players had more players than than the NTDP did. Um, current players. I do think that a couple of the NTDP players that weren't given A grades, with Eiserman being the only one that got an A grade, um, that probably have a case to be part of that group. But you see Boy there, and you see um, Trevor Connolly is A grades, and not really a surprise based on the way that they've played this season. They have they definitely have the toolkit that suggests they could be first-round draft picks in the USHL. Um, another college guy who did play at the NTDP last season um, and is now in college, Steve Booyam, is another college player that got an A grade. One of the interesting elements about this draft is, is where and how many of the defensemen are going to go. We know there are a lot of really good defensemen. I mentioned Levshinov, Dickinson. Um, also, you know, I think that there's a, a large growing contingent of people that are, are very honed in on Anton Siliev, who's a six foot seven defenseman currently playing in the KHL, um, and and that's going to be a guy that I think we're going to watch very closely. Um, I would be surprised if Central Scouting had an A grade on him prior to this season, but with the way that he started, he's kind of undeniable at this point, and how many six foot seven defensemen that produce are there, um, and so those guys are going to get extra notice. Um, but you, you also see Henry Mew, Zane Parekh, um, you know, uh, among the defensemen on there, Aaron Kiviharyu, who's out long term, as is Ivan Demidov, two guys that are on longer term injuries. I don't think that will affect them negatively. You know, there are multiple Russian players on here as well, because I think that teams are definitely not going to be afraid, even though there's been plenty of stuff going on over in Russia that that may give teams pause. Um, you know, but I, I think that in general, a lot of the the what we see on the NHL Central scouting list here was not really a surprise. But I did want to talk about a few of the guys that did get B grades that were a little bit more surprising to me. And also, one other note before I move on to the B grades, not one goalie got an A grade in this draft class, which is not really a surprise. And actually, I believe only two goaltenders got B grades, be Carter George from Owen Sound and Ryerson Leanders from uh, Mississauga. So two OHL goalies get B grades, and that's the best they can do. I don't think we're going to see a first round goaltender this year. Um, be very surprised if if there was one. There are a number of goalies that are way farther down the list that I think are going to be really intriguing mid round picks. Guys that that have some tools or maybe they're late bloomers. That's going to be interesting to watch. But not a great year to be looking for goaltenders in general. Um, just not a lot of of high end there. But let's go to the note. Some of the notable players that got B grades. Here's another player that I wanted to talk about that. I think probably, well, I don't think, I, I'm certain, hugely benefited from the start of the season that he had, and that's Matt Vay Gridden from the Muskegon Lumberjacks. Now, he is one of the top scorers, is the top scorer in the USHL right now, um, has had a very strong season. And, you know, if you go over to Flow Hockey, one little trick of the trade, if you go and you click on one of the leagues, especially the junior leagues, you can open that up, and I'm going to the USHL right now, and I'm heading on over to the player stats. And so you you can actually access all of that right on flowhockey.tv. And right now, Matt Vagredin is averaging a, a grid and is averaging a goal per game, nine goals in nine games, 16 points to lead all players in the USHL, just one point ahead of Eric Paulson from Dubuque, who's a re-entry that will be very interesting to watch this year in the NHL draft as well. But you see that, and you see what Gridden is doing this year for Muskegon. 
Um, you know, five of his goals have come on the power play. Um, he's he's been a, a weapon on the man advantage. He's got a good one timer. He's had creativity. He's got some size to him. There's a lot to like about the way that he's played. That's a B graded player. That you know, maybe we'll see if he continues to move up. But to see the start to the season that he's had in the way that Muskegon has played as a group, um, very good chance that he's going to be a higher end player. Another guy that I that I'm really fascinated to see, and he is a B grade, but I have a feeling he could move into the A grade discussion. And we're going to go to the A to the WHL with this one, and that's Tish Aginla, the son of Jerome Aginla, who's currently playing for the Kelowna Rockets. And Tish is really lighting it up in the WHL, and you can even get the WHL stats if you go over to the Junior tab on. Uh, flow hockey as well. And Tish has been, uh, he's been very strong. I mean, you know, I think that there was an expectation that he was going to be a good player this year, but whether or not he was going to be a a legitimate threat to go high in the NHL draft kind of remained to be seen. But for Kelowna this season, he's got 12 goals in 11 games so far, 12 goals in 11 games, 19 points as a draft eligible and so, obviously, you think about, again, all that pressure and all of the attention of, of the last name that that brings you, and he's just gone out and played, and he's playing really, really well in a league where it can be tough for younger players to put up points. But, again, for Kelowna right now, has been outstanding, and I think that he's going to be one of those guys that you absolutely have to watch throughout the rest of the season because, you know, the, the name brings the extra attention, but he's playing at a level right now that suggests he should be drafted. He's not a huge guy but he is a good offensive player, and I think that there's going to be a lot to like about him going forward. Going back to the USHL, one guy that was a B grade that I think maybe probably you know maybe could have started the season as an A grade, but it's been a tough start. Is Michael Haig for uh, for the for the Chicago Steel? He's been a, a solid player so far. You know he's scored some nice goals. He's made some good plays. Chicago's really struggled as a team. They they they're they're down on their luck a bit this season. They're not getting the you know they don't have the depth that they've had in years past. And so to see a player like like him at, at the B level, when we kind of looked at him as a, one of those guys that could be a potential first rounder, you know, there's going to be some work to be done for him. But that's one that I also pointed out. And then another one that I think would probably make fans a little bit intrigued in terms of players that were um, you know B grades on this list: Cole Hudson. We've talked about Cole Hudson an awful lot on this podcast. You know, he's obviously he's the youngest brother of Lane Hudson, um, and he hasn't had the best start to his season. I think that that's one thing that has been notable about him so far is that you know the production hasn't hasn't necessarily been there all the way. He's played well though. I mean, like I think really, you know, I, I think his start of the season is a big reason why he's at the spot that he's in right now. Um, you know, because there's such an expectation, but he still has nine points in 12 games. He's still putting up points, but I think there was an expectation. This guy is going to be a point per game player. He's going to be you know, dominant. He, he set the NTDP single season points record last year. Um, and, and, you know, I think that for Cole, it's just going to come down to continuing to get stronger, continuing to make plays, not trying to do too much and, and shoring up the defensive side of the puck. But, um, you know, I think that what he's done in the last little while here. Um, as a player, I think that there's going to be plenty to like about him, but that's a B-graded player that I think probably would have surprised people. Here are a couple of the B-grades that actually surprised me, because those ones didn't necessarily uh, surprise me, again, Law and Hage and, and, and Hudson. The two guys that I thought would probably get A-grades going into this, or at least would have been for me, 
are, are Charlie Ellick from the Brandon Wheat Kings and EJ Emery from the NTDP. We've talked about Emery a few times here. I won't beat around that too much more because I really think that he's a, an, an impressive player with a high, high upside. And I think that his draft stock is going to be one of those kind of slow burn situations where as he continues to round out his game more, as he continues to get stronger, more physical, more offensive, then he's going to move up the charts. But Charlie Ellick was one of those guys where I think that the focus has been on him for quite some time, played at the uh, at the uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup. You know, he's got some tools to him, has size. You know, there's a lot to like about him. He just seems like he fits that mold. But those were two guys that, that ended up as B grades that surprised me a little bit. So that's that with, with the B grades. Also, you know, there, there are over, you know, nearly uh, nearly 70 players on NHL's central scouting list that you can find on Flow Hockey this season. So, yes, I'm going to shamelessly plug uh, my employer right here in the middle of this because as I was looking, you've got 45 players from the USHL alone uh, just that are current USHLers that aren't some of the alumni that are also on the list. 45 uh, on this list right, right off the hop there, including a number of affiliates. 15 from the BCHL, 9 from the AJHL, 3 from the OJ, 1 from the CCHL, 1 from the Saskatchewan League, and 1 from Atlantic Hockey as well from the college hockey ranks. So those are all teams and leagues that you can find on Flow Hockey. So if you are looking to follow the NHL draft and you're looking to find follow these players, you've got first-round talents like Iserman and and uh, and and Boyver and Connolly. You've got those higher-end guys that are still making a name for themselves. You got the young guys too, uh, but you also have a number of players that you'll find on day two of the NHL draft. And, and obviously, that's where a lot of teams are having their success. So get familiar with those day two players as well. It's fun to talk about the first rounders, but a lot of those day two guys will be uh, around as well. And you can see them uh, every single weekend on Flow Hockey. So it's a great opportunity to watch that. One, one other thing before I move on, and we're going to do our, our Q&A like we always do. And I, I had a lot of questions come in, so I wanted to leave extra time for, for Q&A, which is a lot of draft stuff, a lot of college and, and things like that. But before we move on, um, you know, Central Scouting has the the W grade for everybody that didn't get an A, B, or C. Um, and so the W grade is, you know, basically we're, we're we got our eyes on you. Uh, we're watching you. That's what W stands for. Um, but there are a few guys that I thought in particular, some from the USHL and and also some from elsewhere that were W grades that I think are going to be drafted and that, or, or at least have a chance to be drafted and are interesting. Um, and one of those guys, many of them are, are, are re-entries. One is a first year eligible, um, but many of them are re-entries. And what we've seen, and we've talked about this on the podcast plenty before, NHL teams are definitely interested in those re-entry players when they take a step, you know? And so we're seeing that this year. I feel like, Though Chicago has been pretty poor um, in the USHL, Michael Higgins has taken a step. He's stronger. He's more physical. I think he's better than he was last season, and he's playing an elevated role. Now, he's playing it on a team that is struggling, but that's a player who I think could potentially go in the in the mid-rounds of this draft. You know, Yes, he's James Higgins' older brother, but I think that he has made um, his case. And, and what I've seen from him this year is a player that's improved and that once things kind of get settled in Chicago, he could really take off this year in terms of the points as well. So that's one to watch. 
Um, the top goalie in the USHL to start the season arguably has been Cameron Corpy of the Tri-City Storm. Uh, Corpy has been outstanding so far this season. We've seen a lot of really good play from him. Uh, we've seen a lot of wins from him more than anything else. And to see what he's been able to do um, with with that, uh, with with the way that he's played this season, uh, he's certainly very intriguing uh, to watch. And you know, right now, here's here's his stat line. Right now, he's seven and zero as we record this with a nine forty nine save percentage and one shutout so far while playing four hundred and twenty two minutes of action, which is among the leaders in the entire USHL in terms of usage. So. He is, you know, outperforming in terms of his numbers. A lot of players, including NHL draft picks or players that have been on the NHL draft radar, um, you know, will he get drafted? It's hard to say. You know, it's it, it's always hard to find out, you know, what what motivates teams. But this is a performance so far with seven wins in seven opportunities, where you start to take notice. And if nothing else, it also gets him on the radar for when he does go to college. You know, that's a guy that you kind of tag and say, okay, well, if we're not going to draft them, that's a guy we want to keep an eye on for a college free agent signing. And, and Corpy, it feels like he's been in the USHL for quite a long time. Um, and it's because he has, he's, you know, there aren't a ton of guys that, that spend, you know, four years in the league, um, but he has, and, and he's going to be very interesting to, uh, to watch and to track. So um, keep your eyes on Cameron Corpy as well. Another USHL player that I'm intrigued by and have been since the fall classic, because I didn't have much of a book on him um, at all, is John Mustard from the Waterloo Blackhawks. And uh, John Mustard is a real interesting uh, player. He's got some size and some strength to him. I think he'll continue to round out. But he's up to six points in eight games so far in his first season of junior hockey. He played U16 AAA last year and now makes the jump to the USHL. That is a big jump. Um, it, it is it is not often easy. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that's uh, committed to Providence. He's from out east, uh, from New Jersey. And I think I've really liked what I've seen from him this year, and he was uh, among the players to watch. And with a W rating, I think he's one guy that could potentially move into the mid-rounds and, and be a real pick. I, I, I think there's, there's some real tools there, and he really torched the U16 ranks last season, but you know, once you get into junior, then the expectations change. So, uh, but he's done that. And then the last guy I wanted to, to, to shout out as well is, is another re-entry from the goaltender goaltending department. And that's uh, Jan Spoonar from, uh, from the Portland Winterhawks. He has the size and now he's got the numbers seven games so far for Portland this season, nine fifty eight save percentage, one shutout um, really impressive. He didn't play. He played 31 games last season. Didn't necessarily distinguish himself. Um, you know, he's a guy that is on the radar to play for for Czechia at the World Juniors this year, um, and that could help further his cause. But that's a 19 year old goalie that's having a, a heck of a season. That has the size and has kind of the track record. When you go back to his time, even in che- in the Czech. Um, when he was playing U20, he was always a winning goaltender. Now he's doing the same for the Portland Winterhawks. So that's another guy on the W grades that I think will be worth watching. All right. Now we move on to our Q&A from our listeners and always appreciate the questions that you guys provide because that helps me make the content. Because uh, sometimes, you know, when you host a show solo and you don't have a guest, 
you need somebody to to get those creative juices flowing and that's what you guys do every single week so i appreciate that so we're gonna we're gonna the way i have this organized is we're gonna talk nhl draft prospects first and then we're gonna get into some other conversations including um some redraft kind of stuff and also uh the colorado uh or sorry college hockey not colorado avalanche but they're they're fun too uh but nothing against them uh, but we're going to move on into college hockey. So we're going to start things off with a Macklin Celebrini question. And sure, we've talked about Mac quite a bit, but I think this is an interesting uh, question that was posed by Joe. Who do you compare Macklin Celebrini to? Is he a Jack Hughes level prospect or better? Well, that is a really good question there from Joe. And I think there's two, There's I'm going to answer this in two different ways. The first way is, you know, in terms of so first in terms of comparisons the player that i feel like i see the most of macklin celebrini um is is probably jonathan taves um you look at the you know celebrini plays on both ends he's not a he's not an elite defender but he plays on both sides of the puck he's he's quietly competitive he is very um you know he doesn't match jonathan taves in the intensity department but when you go back to when jonathan taves was a young player in addition to the defensive capabilities that he possessed, he was a high, high-end offensive player as well. He had a lot of skill, put up a lot of highlight reel goals. And that's kind of what I see from Max Celebrini. The things that Taves did as a younger player are the things that I feel like Celebrini is doing now. And, you know, obviously Taves, his, his career um, went in a different way later on. And obviously he had a lot of health issues kind of down the stretch. But... In those early days, I mean, we, you know, I'm pretty sure Taves was in that NHL 100, which, you know, if we redid that, maybe he wouldn't be, but at the same time, really impressive player. Um, and if you're among that, then that's pretty good. So, so, but Celebrini, one of the things that he does, and I shared a clip over the weekend that I think encapsulates why I think Celebrini is going to have a real opportunity to be a higher end player at the NHL level. He doesn't take the easy road to offense. He doesn't simply hang around the perimeter and wait for one-timers and just, just go. He, When he has the puck on his stick, he's got one goal in mind, and that is to get to the net. And so that usually means having to get to the interior, having to get to the harder areas. So against a team like Notre Dame this weekend that he played against, Celebrini was able to, to get between defenders, to get to the middle, to shake off contact, and to make plays, and it allowed him to score. Both of his goals come from the slot, and that allows him to, um, you know, he, he's making himself more dangerous by getting to the middle as often as he does, and he's doing it as the youngest player in college hockey, as a guy that's going to get targeted every single game, and he's having great success. So then it comes down to this question. Is he a Jack Hughes-level prospect or better? And the reason that I wanted to answer that a little bit differently is because I think we have to recalibrate like, like let's think about Jack Hughes who I don't think was ever put in the same category as Connor Bedard as Connor McDavid as even Austin Matthews yet look at what he's doing right now for the New Jersey Devils now you also have to look at what he did as an under 18 player unprecedented level of production at the national team development program in terms of you know career points um unprecedented level of production at the world under 18 championship for an American at that point. Um, and he was, he, I mean, just special, a very, very special player. So a Jack Hughes level prospect to me is not that far removed from, and at least as a prospect from Connor Bedard. I really don't think so. I think that they had a very similar 
thing. Although Jack didn't have the goal scoring numbers, he had the points, he had, you know, he had the impact and, you know, was, was just one of the best under 18 players I'd seen at the national team development program in my career. And so it's hard for me to put Celebrini on that same pedestal. However, what I will say is he's not far. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think he's the Bedard, McDavid, Hughes level of prospect, but I don't think he's terribly far away um, from from that. I, I think that there are elements of his game that, you know, as he gets stronger, as he gets more intense, as he gets even more physical, those are all things that are going to help him. Um, he's not a huge guy. I think he plays big. I don't think he shies away from contact. I think he's very hard to rattle. Um, but, you know, you go back and you say, well, let's look at uh, Alex La- Alexi Lafreniere's first year. I mean, we were we were talking about him. Is he better than Jack Hughes at that point? And as we move further, I, I had maintained that he wasn't at the time, not to toot my own horn or anything, but, you know, we're, it's great to see a, uh, Lafreniere starting to produce this year. But seeing, you know, I, I just think that that Celebrini is kind of more in that regard where I think, you know, you think about the way that Jack Eichel and Adam Fantilli were regarded as essentially number two or number three guys, and even Taves as well, you know, back in that day, like that's, those are the types of players that I think Celebrini can have a career trajectory like, which both Fantilli and Eichel happen to fall into, uh, you know, this kind of conversation with uh, a generational level player of McDavid or then a generational level goal scorer as Bedard. Um, So that's kind of why those guys get shadowed. But I think if Celebrini has a season similar to those two guys, number one, he probably wins the Hobie Baker. And number two, he's got, he doesn't have the same competition that those guys had to be the number one pick. So that's, that's my thought on Mac and where he ranks. (coughs) Excuse me. So, where this next one is uh, is also about the draft, and this one comes from Charlie. And Charlie asks, "Where would you rank or evaluate Cole Iserman relative to either high-profile goal-scoring wingers to be drafted in recent years, like Mitchkov, Line, and Caulfield?" Well, I take a long pause to take a sip of water so that I don't cough on you guys again. But what I that's a great question because I think that um, Cole Iserman is an elite level goal scorer, and the three players that you mentioned are all elite level goal scorers. Um, you know, I think that that is that that Iserman is comparable to those players. Um, I think the thing that we have to remember about Patrick Line is that he did his his draft season, and the reason that he did actually challenge Austin Matthews towards the end to be the number one pick was that he produced at a high level at the professional ranks. He was a playoff performer and a world championship performer for Finland. And so that allowed him to, to really be a, a high level. Mitchkov is a very different goal scorer than Cole Iserman or Cole Caulfield are. I think Iserman and Caulfield are more similar because they score in a similar way and that they are often a from distance goal scorer who can beat goalies clean, I think Mitchkov, the thing that I've always said about Mitchkov is he's a more cerebral goal scorer. He puts himself into different positions. He's able to create opportunities. He's able to make plays. Um, he gets a lot of goals from in tight at the net because he has quick hands. You know, he 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 gets to the the dirty areas, even though he's not a big player. Um, you know, where I would say that, you know, Line A has has 
has continually improved. And the other thing about Line is he's a he's a giant of a man compared to these other guys who are all below average NHL size. And then that's where you know Eiserman fits in. Here's the thing about Cole Eiserman. He's off to a, an incredible start, an absolute tear. He's he, I mean, what he did to Boston University a couple weeks ago, five points in the game, a hat trick against his future team. I mean, it's just not even it just it just barely registers, you know, that that was possible the way that he completely dominated in that in that game. Um, the thing that I think is similar to him, you know, Caulfield is he's bigger than Caulfield was and he's bigger than Mitchkov as well. And he's sturdier. I think that Cole Eiserman is a very strong player um, where he is lacking in terms of why I think it's going to be harder for him to challenge a more complete player like a Macklin Celebrini is that he still needs to work on the defensive elements of his game. He still needs to work on his play off the puck in a significant way. Um, he's not, he doesn't, it's, it's not an, a lack of effort or want to. I think that there just needs to be better execution on, uh, in that way. What I will say is I think that's happening already this year. I think we're seeing elements of him. He's, he's more aggressive off pucks. He's making plays. He's challenging defenders. With, um, he's challenging opposing forwards. He's making good decisions through the neutral zone. Um, there's a lot of things to like about the way that Cole Eiserman is. But where would I evaluate him with the, those goal scores? I mean, I think he's right there with them. Um, I think that you know when we talk about him, he's probably somewhere between those guys and the Bedards and Matthews of the world. And I mean that very seriously. Um, Cole Eiserman shoots the puck in a way that, you know, I think is, is, is it at that same caliber of sh- shot and accuracy and heaviness and, and just deceptiveness as the Matthews and the Bedards of the world. Um, and so that's what we're talking about here. Now, if Cole Eiserman c- goes on and scores 70 plus goals this season and Macklin Celebrini has a 50 point season in college hockey, there might be a, a, a bigger discussion about which one should go first. But I still maintain that I think Mitch Cut or uh, Macklin Celebrini is a little bit more of a complete player now. Now, we're going to continue to watch Collagium and see how his game improves. But I mean, this is a guy that, you know, I didn't know that coming out of the World Junior Camp, I didn't think he was going to be on the team. Now I'm having a hard time seeing how they leave him off with how devastating the goal scoring has been for him um, so far this season as he just continues to rack up goal after goal. And, you know, Cole Caulfield had the record of 72 goals in a, in a, in in a single NTDP season. That was his draft season. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen as of right now in 11 games. Let me say that again, 11 games. Cole Iserman has 18 goals in 11 games. 18 goals in 11 games, including nine alone in five USHL games. If he were to play an entire USHL season, he's on, a, he's on, which they don't play. They play that mixed schedule. He's on pace for 101 goals. Uh, but 18, I mean, like, let's just, it, it's insane. 18 goals in 11 games. Um, I had kind of joked to Corey Pronman, who, you know, you can hear us sometimes on the athletic hockey show together. And I had joked that, you know, after his world junior camp, he's going to have to score 40 to make 40 before Christmas before he makes the team. He might. <laughs> he might. It's crazy. So um, remarkable to see. So, yeah, so we're talking about those guys. I think he's in that category and even a cut above um, based on what we've seen. All right, we've got another national team development program player question. And these are – there are actually two questions about this player 
Um, so I'll, I'll read the first one here. Uh, and this one comes from the aptly named uh, user. So definitely not a burner of any kind. Why do you think central scouting is so low on Teddy Stiga? He had a W grade. I know he struggled a bit last season with the U-17s, but he has been tearing it up this year with the U-18 squad. Seems like his torrid start to the year should solidify him as a third or fourth rounder at worst, no? Oh, boy. Interesting one. Let's let's get another sip of water for this one. Well, I think, like I said, the the thing about central scouting is that that it's hard for them to kind of, you know, how much do you want to put into the beginning of a season based on knowing the entire body of work of a player? Um, assuming that they have a good book on Teddy Stiga. Now, Stiga is not a guy that I think anybody anticipated being among the top scorers on the national team development program team, but that's what he's done so far this year. He's got 18 points this season. Um, you know, and he's he's right there with Iserman and and James Hagens in terms of scoring. And he's had some really big games and he's he's looked good. Um, you know, I think that for Stiga, he's at a below average player with with good good enough skill, but not elite skill. Um, skating's fine. Uh, you know, he's, he's he's so it's it's harder to place those players even when they're producing at a high level as he is this season. And uh, before I continue to answer this, I want to jump into the next question um, because it is actually. Um, also tied to Stiga. We got two Teddy Stiga questions today, which I did not anticipate, but that's what we got. And this one comes from Friday. Probably, again, not definitely not a burner. But have you ever seen a player increase their production in their second season with the way that Stiga has? Also, where do you eventually see him landing on the central scouting list? Doesn't seem they've taken in it this year into account much. I mean, you know, and I, I think just to continue on with what we were saying, I do think that this year was taken into consideration, but I think you also have to say, you know, I, I don't think that he's necessarily belongs in the discussion of being a sixth or seventh rounder based on what we've seen so far. But, you know, we, we are seeing currently a pretty substantial jump um, in production. And so that always, I think you also have to view that with, you know, with a bit of a grain of salt, I haven't done a deep dive on his stats. I haven't done a deep dive on that, on, on what's going on, but let's put it this way. He had 21 points all of last season and 49 games as a U 17 player, 12 goals. This year, he already has nine goals and 17 points in 12, 12, uh, 12 appearances. Eight of those points have come um, in USHL games, including six goals. So that is a pretty significant bump. So you have to examine that further and say, okay, what's behind that? what's going on there. Um, but, you know, I think that, that, you know, Teddy Stig is going to continue to be a guy that, that I watch because of the way that he's played in the first round or first part of the season. I think that's going to be true of central scouting as well. They're going to look at him very closely the rest of the way and, and try to examine, you know, what's behind this, this uptick in production. Um, it's not the first time a player has had a substantially different, you know, point total coming into his draft season than he did here. I don't know that we've seen it so dramatically this early. Um, I can't really recall that. I can't think of specific examples of that, but I do think that this is a player that's put himself in position to be, you know, a mid round pick. I still don't necessarily think given that, you know, his frame and, and the, the, what we've seen, you know, he's still going to have to continue. But if you look at back to last season, and I'm using another Boston College example because Stiga is a Boston College commit. I don't think anybody thought that Gabe Perot was going to do what he did last season. Um, and that's probably 
the guy where you say, well, what the heck happened there? Because he went from basically being still had a great U17 year, had a phenomenal U17 year, he had 50 points, but he wasn't even a point per game player in his U17 season. And then he goes on to have 132 points in 63 games and nearly two points a game. Um, and in, in the following season. So we have seen these dramatic swings before. And then obviously that ended up Gabe Perot was a first round draft pick. He still was picked a bit later, but that was because of some of the similar concerns. Is the skating good enough? Is he big? You know, he's not very big. Does he have other elements? Are there other things he can do besides produce? You know, I think that Stiga has a pretty good work ethic on the ice. I like the way that he plays. I think that he has some jump and some energy. Um, so it remains to be seen, but that's interesting. So, uh, that is that is it for the Teddy Stiga questions, but it's not it for the NTDP questions. I got this next one via DM, so we won't have uh, the picture up on the screen of this, of this. But this one came uh, via DM, and this is about uh, two other NTDP players. And the thoughts, uh, the questioner asks, "What are your thoughts on defenseman John Whipple and Brody Zemer for the draft?" So another two under eighteen players. John Whipple came in very highly touted out of Shattuck St. Mary's, very good player. Um, solid defenseman. I think he's had a hard time finding his way. He was a, a W listed as a W. Zemer was listed as a C um, on Central Scouting, um, and I think that's probably fair for both. I think that Whipple still needs to continue to show that he can be a top four guy, move pucks better. You know, I like the way that he defends. I think that he's got good mobility. I think there's there's tools there, but you know, he still has some work to do to be able to get drafted. And sometimes it's hard for those guys to stand out. He's also on a blue line that features Will Skahan, EJ Emery, and Logan Hensler, who are all towering guys that skate well and move pucks. And you know, so it's harder for a guy that's on you know kind of more on the average size, even though he's got fine pro size. You know. To, to stand out. So that's what I would say about him. I think that Whipple has an opportunity, you know, to, to continue to grow. And he's a player that I, that I, I think will, will find his way eventually. Uh, as for Zemer, there's a lot to like about where, where he's at and what he's been doing. Um, I think the skill level is very strong with him. I think that he's played a lot of games where he really, um, you know, not took over, but he at least made his impact known on the game this season as far as what I've watched. Um, but again, that's another player, you know, average-ish size, you know, can he, he needs to get stronger, you know, he needs to be a little bit more, you know, have more elements to his game. But I think the skill is very intriguing and also, you know, the fact that he he has good vision. Uh, I think he makes good decisions with the puck. Um, there's plenty to like about him. So both those players committed to the University of Minnesota. Both of them came from Shattuck St. Mary's, um, and I think they will continue to find their way. So thank you for that question as well. All right. We're going to get into some draft rehashings a little bit here. And this question from Alex I found pretty interesting um, because it's something that I've been thinking about a little bit. So let's go to it. Alex asks, Interested in, in your thoughts on early findings. Too early to make any conclusions or pointing towards a rough 2020, 2020 draft class due to COVID. Um, you know, I think it's an interesting, it's it's definitely an interesting kind of conversation um, about the 2020 NHL draft because I think that there is at least anecdotally a feeling among scouts and a feeling among, um, you know, people like me that do this, that, that, that draft may have been negatively impacted by COVID. I still think the 2021 draft is the one where I've got some significant concerns. But one thing I will say is, so in 2020, who was at the top of that draft? Alexi Lafreniere. I think that 
one thing that we need to remember when when we talk about him as a player, because you know people are starting to throw around the B word with him, which I don't think is very fair um, yet. Um, and and the B word is bust, just so we're clear. Uh, just don't want anybody you know, putting any words in my mouth. But I don't think he's that. Um, you know, obviously Tim Stutzla is the best player among fours from that draft. Jake Sanderson could be number two. So Ottawa could have had the number one, number two guys, two best players from that, from that class. But excuse me, but you look at that and you say, I, I, you know, what, what ultimately happened to some of these guys and, and, and where'd they go? And Lafreniere lost the rest of his junior season, started the following season late with, and started it in the NHL. I mean, it just wasn't like it wasn't a good situation. I don't think anybody really knew what to do because of the pandemic and because of how difficult it was. So that one was kind of a, a, a tricky one and, and unfortunate. But I think that I'll, that, you know, I'm not prepared to make any sweeping claims about this class um, because there's so much left to be learned about it. Um, you know, but I, I do think that the 2021 class was impacted in, in such a way that, you know, that that's to me, it was, they were a hard class to evaluate because the season was all messed up, you know, but we got, there, there are obviously some really great players that came out of that draft and there are guys that we're really excited to see. And a lot of guys that are, are now, um, you know, getting their opportunity at the NHL level, but that's the one that I'm watching a little bit more just in terms of, I think we'll see a lot of guys that were drafted way later that, that, that make, you know, make a push and, and, and improve and and surpass guys. Um, But there's just so many things, so many variables with that particular class that will have yet to be determined. So we'll keep an eye on that one, but very interesting question. I think that, you know, it is early to make sweeping claims, but also at the same time, especially with 2020, you figure, well, there's, there's a lot of data that we already have with that. So uh, very interesting nonetheless. All right. Next one comes to us from Corey and he wants me to go back in time and ask, is there someone in the later rounds from the 2022 class that is showing they should have been drafted a lot higher? I still think it's a bit early for 2022 uh, to rehash that. And, and the other thing too, is I, I always want to be careful with the terminology when we say should have been drafted higher based on how they're doing now, because hindsight is 2020 or because they should have gone higher because we w- we didn't evaluate them properly or, you know, the scouts didn't evaluate them property and that, properly. And that's always one of those very difficult questions to answer, but Let's get into it. There are three players that I've identified that I think that that went and I want and I wanted them to go like really late so that it wasn't just like, you know, if they went in the fourth round and they should have gone in the third. I mean, really, it's not that big of a deal. Um, But there are three players that I put on this list. And the number one name that came to my mind from 2022 is Maximilian Zuber, who is a uh, defenseman in the Arizona Coyote system. He was taken 163rd overall. And Zuber is, I think, you know, he was he was a very, um, I, you know, he he wasn't an exciting defenseman, but I remember, you know, watching him that season, and I, I where where he really stood out to me was during that 2020 World Juniors, um, and he played a lot of minutes. He was 
effective against better players. Um, and, you know, he's now in his first season in North America. So he had a really strong season last year in the DEL. He had a good training camp with Arizona. I think at least gave him something to think about about their back end. Now he's with Tucson in the AHL. But that's a guy where, you know, he came, didn't necessarily have the numbers that would say this is a draft, a guy you absolutely have to draft. But I, I really did think at that U20 of that year, you could see the, that there was a player there. Um, and he showed that even more last year, made Germany's world championship team last spring, which was another, you know, key factor, good minutes for him. You know, he, he, he played, played pretty well. Um, you know, he, he got a regular shift for the, the senior national team on a, on a team that actually had a really good tournament. Um, and so Maximilian Zuber is one of the guys that I think, you know, if we, if we did a redraft, he would go higher than he did. But again, these players haven't made the NHL yet. So it's tough to say another guy who's having a phenomenal year this year was a guy that went way later than I thought he would, but not necessarily surprised by how late he went. And that's Jack Devine, who's currently at the University of Denver. He was the 221st overall pick in that draft. And as of right now, he's really been popping off this season. And he has, you know, he, he got drafted out of um, out of Denver that year. And he was a bit player on a national championship team. So he didn't necessarily make this, the level of impact. But he had 19 points in 36 games. And he was a national champion as a freshman. He had 31 points last year. And this year, he's got 10 points through four games. So he is really popping off this year. Didn't necessarily see this level of production. I don't think that he's going to be a huge high-end point producer at the next level, but that's a player going seventh round who is year after year improved and improved and improved. And you have to remember, going way back, Jack Devine was largely considered one of the top players in the 2003 birth year before he reached you know the, the age where players really start separating themselves um, because of you know physical maturity and things like that, he you know he's he's an average sized player, not super big, but he he's an effective two way guy, and now he's putting up big numbers in college hockey. So that's another one to look out for. And the last one that I wanted to mention, uh, another guy that's currently playing the AHL, a guy that I've liked in international settings over the last couple of years, David Spotcheck, uh, currently playing for the Iowa Wild. Minnesota got him 153rd overall. I think he's a good two-way player, defensively very strong. Offensively, he's he's good enough. Um, he's a really smart player, and he's super competitive. And he was a big, 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 big reason why the Czechs were in the gold medal game last year at the World Juniors. All right, got a few more that we're going to run through pretty quick here. Um, this next one comes from Logan, and Logan asks, or sorry, I skipped one. The next one comes from Avco Cup, our freak, a frequent questioner. My apologies there, as this one is about Rucker McGroarty. Winnipeg Jets prospect is leading the NCAA in scoring. Should he be a Hobie Baker candidate? Well, when you're leading the NCAA in scoring, you absolutely should. And there's, and really, if you've been watching Rucker McGroarty's games or if you've seen any of Michigan, it's hard to miss him. I mean, the one thing that I, 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 did, I had a Hobie watch list earlier this year, Rucker McGroarty was not on it. And there were a couple people that said you should probably have Rucker McGroarty on that list. And yes, I should have. And you know why? Because he, not just because he's leading the NCAA in scoring, it's because, take a, like last year, he was playing riding shotgun with Adam Fantilli. Now, I didn't think that Adam Fantilli was the complete product of Rucker McGroarty's success last season when he had 39 points in 39 games. No, sir. 
I know that Rucker McGordy is a very good player. He was a first-round draft pick coming into the University of Michigan that year. I think he's going to be a huge part of Team USA at the World Juniors, and he was even last year as, as, a, as a younger player. But he has 11 points through six games so far, and it's not all goals. You know, he is a trigger man. He has a tremendous shot. He's got a great one-timer. He makes a lot of plays, but he's 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 driving things a little bit. And that was my concern about him as a Hobie Baker candidate. As a wing who's not the fleetest of foot, is he going to be a player that drives play at a level that allows him to compete for the Hobie Baker? I didn't think so. So far, he has been. Um, so very impressed by Rucker McGordy and certainly like what we've seen so far from him. So, yes. Short answer, yes, he should be a Hobie Baker candidate. I'm sure he will be viewed that way, but it is early. And sometimes the results in October lie to us a little bit, and we need to recalibrate as the season rolls on. But we'll see where things go with Rucker. All right. Now we're going to go to Logan's question. And Logan asks, what are your thoughts on Aiden Fink or Hudson and or Hudson Malinowski? Both tore up the AJHL last year, got drafted late, and looked excellent in the NCAA so far. So, you know, Aiden Fink's a real interesting one. He was a player that I liked quite a bit for the draft last year. You know, not a big guy, but he had put up major, major points last year. Hudson Malinowski, you know, not a guy that I had really on my draft radar as much. Um, but again, another player that had a really strong season. And the AJHL, and especially the Brooks Bandits in particular, have been really good at, you know, developing high-end players for college hockey. The Brooks Bandits have probably been one of the top junior teams in Canada for the last several years, and it's not hard to see why. Aiden Fink had 97 points there last year, got drafted by the Nashville Predators. Malinowski got drafted by the, the Maple Leafs with 69 points in 44 games for Brooks. So those two guys, those two guys are really interesting. Um, <clears throat> and if you'll remember last year, excuse me again, Two of the top freshmen in the country um, were were also Brooks Bandits. So it just continues to happen. Kale McCarr, also a Brooks Bandit. So um, no surprise there. And also, shameless plug, you can watch the Brooks Bandits on Flow Hockey. So anyway, you know, I think I'm not surprised that Aiden Fink has, has really popped off right away. He's, he looked like a, a player that was ready to make an impact on college hockey immediately. I think Malinowski a little less so, especially with Providence, where that's a team that has, has typically struggled to, to, to produce offense. Um, he's obviously got, got it going early this year, which is, which is great to see. And I think that that's great for him. And it's great if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs watching a player, he's got, you know, a guy has three goals in his first five collegiate games. You feel pretty good about that after only one year of junior hockey, by the way, he only played one year and, uh, you know, he's, he's got some real talent there. So I think I'm really excited to see where both of those guys go. Um, Fink, you know, he, he flipped his commitment from Wisconsin to Penn state. Penn State was going to give him an opportunity that I don't think he would have gotten at Wisconsin because of the depth. And and now because he's got that, he's having some success at Penn State. So two good players out of the AJHL that were late draft picks that were also, you know, now they have this opportunity. And why did, why did teams select guys like that? Because they're going to have two, three, four years of development at the collegiate level and become a better pro as a result. All right, our last question is also about college hockey freshmen, and this one comes from Danny. And Danny asks, any freshmen that have surprised you so far in the first few weeks of the season? So 
Good question. And there are several. Um, and a lot of them came out of the USHL last year. Guys that were strong USHL players that have really taken a step this year um, and that are very intriguing in terms of what they're doing this season. The first guy that I want to mention is Jack Musa, who played for the Madison Capitals and Cedar Rapids Rough Riders last year. Um, you know, he had a really nice little playoff as well for the Rough Riders. He, when, the, when, when things were you know the toughest part of the season, he had five points in five games. Now he's got eight points through his first five games with UMass, and he's been a go-to offensive performer for the Minutemen this season. Um, undrafted, you know, an older freshman, 20-year-old freshman, um, you know, Florida native, but he is uh, – he's looked good. And he was just on full hockey last weekend playing against Minnesota State, and he was a, a real thorn in their side. Um, so that's been one guy that is absolutely a, a surprise to me. Another one – um, it's not really that he's a, it's a surprise that he's playing well, but a surprise in what he's doing production wise. And that's Aaron Pionk, Aaron Pionk at the university of Minnesota, uh, Duluth, um, O'Neill Pionk's younger brother. We had a great story on him on flow hockey about how he was driving the Zamboni and his, and his off time for the Waterloo, uh, young arena. Um, and, uh, Aaron Pionk already has five points in college hockey. And last year, you know, he's, he's a player that produced at other levels, didn't necessarily have the numbers at, at the USHL level, but the defensive side of the game was so strong that you knew that he was going to find playing time. Well, Minnesota Duluth has given him a lot of run, and he's taken full advantage of it. You know, he's initially committed to go to Minnesota State, ends up flipping the commitment to Minnesota Duluth, and, and the Bulldogs have been solid throughout this season so far, and Pionk has been a big part of that. So that's another one. Um, again, not surprised by him being good, but, you know, surprised that at his team, how good they've been with him. Ryan Conmey at UNH, uh, you know, Los Angeles or the, the Sioux City Musketeers, um, former former Musketeer there. Great season in the USHL last year. Now, you know, UNH has toppled some big teams already this season. And Ryan Conmey is at the center of it as a, as a key offensive performer. And last but not least, Cameron Whitehead, formerly of the Lincoln Stars, now at Northeastern, had the unenviable task of replacing one of the greatest collegiate goalies in the history of college hockey in Devin Levi. And he's already 2-0 with Northeastern and uh, is looking solid. You know, he's, he's making saves. He had a great season last year. He is a draft pick of the Vegas Golden Knights. So those are my surprising freshmen. Not that they're good, but just how good they've been uh, because uh, they are definitely doing some great things this year. Well, that is the last question, which means it's time to wrap up the show. We're going to have plenty more. We got lots coming up. The under 17 world under 17 hockey challenge is coming up very soon. A number of key players that we'll talk about uh, to preview that event. We'll also be talking about various college hockey topics and the NHL draft as we so often do want to give a huge thanks to all of you that ask questions to help provide some content for today's podcast. Big thanks to Amanda as well for producing today's episode and thanks to all of you for listening. It's been an absolute blast this week. Don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your audio podcasts. Also, you can watch us on YouTube, on the Flow Hockey YouTube channel, or on flowhockey.tv, or via the Flow Sports app on uh, your various smart TVs and your mobile phone, and wherever you feel like seeing this face, you can watch it there. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. My name is Chris Peters. This is Talking Hockey Sense. We'll catch you next time. 